to Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language, adult themes, and sexual content. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This month, we are reading The Mister by E.L. James. This is part two of The Mister. This podcast will contain spoilers of the entire book. If you want to read along with us, stop listening now. It's okay. We'll wait for you to come back. If you haven't, please go listen to part one. Yes, we'll wait again. This book contains themes of abusive relationships, assault, death, and human trafficking. You have been warned. I'm your producer, Ashlyn. I'm one of Sydney. And I'm the other one, Lauren. Now get ready to get raunchy. Sydney, I have yet another question to ask of you. Yet another query. What is your question? Oh, indubitably. If you had to choose your horribly inaccurate British aristocracy lord or lady title and throw it around only in the bedroom, what would it be? I'm trying not to go too Bridgerton on this. Let me think. Uh, I believe... Hmm. Maybe Lady Lady Thistlebottom or something like that. Because it has the word bottom in, in it, and I think it's funny. <laughs> A respectable choice, to be sure. And what of you? Do you have a name you have thought of? Oh, I never thought you'd ask. I would personally choose as an homage to all of the aspiring writers out there that have inspired me so much to write my own works and be a part of podcasts such as this. Lady Shadowfan69, Hedgehog Lover42. You know what? I think that one's quite a bit better than mine. So I will tip my hat to you, madam. Oh, thank you. I mean, honestly, I think we'd make a terrible and troublesome combination on the Lord and Lady landscape, don't you think? Oh, we would be the talk of the town, but in the best and worst way. Oh, my. It would cause such a scandal. Our mothers would be so proud, but you want to know whose Uh, mother is not proud of them? (laughs) Whose mother is not proud? Lord Rutherford. Is that Lord Rutherford to you, fucker? (laughs) It is indeed. Welcome back to the second installment of The Mister by E.L. James, in which we will be be discussing chapters 17 through 33, thus closing us out of this horrible and ongoing nightmare. I only want to wake up now. I want to wake up. Don't we all? Speaking of waking up, I'm pretty sure Alessia wakes up in Maxim's bed after the horrible sex scene from last part. That was a good transition. Good job. I'll take the pity votes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To start us off with our plot summary, if you are ready, Sydney. Oh, Oh, yes, I am very, very ready. 
Starting off with chapter 17, we pick up shortly after Alessia and Maxim have their first tryst, as we will call it. A couple their of first days horizontal spent- tango. Oh, yes, absolutely. They spent a couple of days within his estate playing such games as chess, shopping spree simulator. And now the game of I'm having an external crisis because I am in love with my daily. And which Maxim, <laughs> between the course of chapter 16 and chapter 17, has now decided that he is utterly and irrevocably in love with Miss Alessia Damachi, our female lead, and has been evidently since the first time that they met, which is fascinating since it took 17 chapters of repression and brother issues to sort this out. Now, <laughs> again, bear in mind these. Two love interests, if you can even call them that at this point, have known each other. I don't know if there's an exact measurement, but only what I would assume is a handful of days. Oh, we have a producer like comment. A month. I think it was a month max. I, I literally sat down with the timeline to figure out how long they could have possibly known each other for. And I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm sorry. Okay. I know you're fine. The book takes place over less than a month. So Kit dies. Caroline oh and Matt sleep together three days after Kit's death. Maxim and Alessia flee to the seaside two weeks after his death. So it, at, at max, they've known each other for like three weeks. So, so that's why everyone's just like, oh, how are you holding up? I thought it'd been like at least a month. No, they, they wow. sleep a few days after the funeral. Wow. Thank you, Ashlyn. Thank you, Ashlyn. Well, these folks are moving faster than anyone I've ever seen on my Instagram timeline. And the engagement rates where I'm from, out the roof. Ring by spring. Ring by spring, indeed. Well, I don't know if it's springtime in the mister, but in the course of chapter (laughs) 17... When Maxim first decides that he is, in fact, in love with Alessia, he is also now contemplating asking her to marry him, which is interesting because he knows nothing more about her aside from piano, chess, and her running from a human trafficker ring from Albania. Yep. So such, he decides to learn a little bit about Alessia for the first time. Great decision. We're learning things, Maxim. And so he decides to field her a bunch of questions and do a little bit of more groundwork research on Albania. What's it like over there? And in this process, we won't bore you with the details, but in this process, he then learns from Alessia herself that she is actually dun 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 betrothed. She was never his in the first place. And he's out here thirsting about putting a ring on it. No. How could it happen? Sydney, what did you think of this whole betrothal side quest that we have going on? I thought it was fucking stupid. (laughs) I literally was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like. I, I don't know why this betrothed was included. Honestly, I think you uh, honestly, I think it would have been better just to have her be like, I just wanted to. If I were to rewrite the mister, there'd be many, many changes. One of the main changes I would do is rewrite that Elisa left Albania to go to England 
to continue her education in like music or something like that. And she just got involved with the wrong people. Um, so the whole betrothed thing, it just feels, it feels unnecessary. It feels like just a, a, it feels like that point in a rom-com where you know the characters have to break up or something has to happen for some reason for them to have some conflict and then they'll um, reconnect during the climax. That is exactly what I was going to say. It feels less like room for character building on Alessia's part and her culture or her family dynamic, perhaps, and more so literally just a plot device to... Basically, Again. draw more time between Maxim's mm-hmm. decision to be in love with her and to propose to her out of like necessity because things are progressing at an alarming rate. Also, it just it doesn't feel right because it's not even a character growth because this isn't even like a characteristic of her. Like, again, it's focused around a man in her life. Like, it isn't even her. Like, yeah, she ran away, so she didn't want to marry him, but it just it focuses on another man in her life. And I'm like, I want something to be about her, you know? Exactly. But I'm afraid in chapter 18, Maxim doesn't really see that from his perspective, if anything, as any good Lord of what 50, hundred estates in England would do makes it all about him. So Maxim, upon hearing that the woman he is momentarily seconds ago decided that he will love and spend the rest of his life with is now very upset that she is betrothed and arguably jealous in what I would think is a relatively unattractive way. Um, but it's fine. Alessia basically he throws tries a fit. Oh, like he actually. throws a temper tantrum. It's a temper tantrum. He's like, mm, no, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Isn't Maxim about 28 years old? Yeah, so this is um, a 28-year-old man being upset that this twenty young 20-something girl is like, oh no, I had a fiancé before, but I ran away from him. No, it Equals- makes it, it, he makes it about him when it's not about him. I think it's equally disappointing and comical when you also consider that at the very beginning of this novel, Maxim was sleeping with his deceased brother's widow after three days of him being cold in the ground. And yet he has the audacity to throw a little wham wham boo boo hissy fit over Alessia, a woman who basically just doesn't know at all, having a past or having other relations outside of him and feels almost a sense of what I interpreted as like ownership betrayal in a way of like yes. it it felt weirdly jealous and possessive and so i i wanted to ask you how did you feel about maxim's jealousy at this point was it something that is kind of like oh overprotective and appealing like i think el james was going for or was it more overbearing and restrictive i know what el james is going for but it's it, it didn't come out the way she wanted it to in my in my personal opinion it it didn't it, obviously I'm sounding like a broken record every time I say it. It didn't make sense. He's barely known her. It's it's exhibiting very narcissistic characteristics. Like the fact that he has to center himself 
within her world and saying that she is his when he's barely known her for what a couple like uh, like less than a couple days it doesn't it's like again it makes no sense and it's not about him and he can't separate himself and it's just it's gross like i would feel really unsafe with him if he were an actual person and i was interacting with him it's weirdly it feels like ownership befitting of a lord which maybe that's the vibe james is going for but i'd like to argue that alessia is not landowning property anyway exactly (laughs) speaking of this whole running away from her betrothed alessia further explains to maxim's hissy fit that basically she cannot return to albania because by you know rejecting this betrothal she has such dishonest her well, dishonored her father, excuse me, and would be forced to marry upon her return. And you want to know how these people would go about resolving this and instead of having like, you know, an honest heart to heart conversation with content and maturity and responsibility. They bang it out. Yep. Yep. And a sex scene that I don't even recall because it was probably so lukewarm. (laughs) I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's very it's it's strange how they how E.L. James kind of handles some of these serious, serious topics like she'll just pepper this stuff in. And then suddenly they're just having sex, like all they can think about is having sex. And um, and it just that's not how you how a real adult conversation would go. And maybe I'm basing this too much in realism and the real world and what a actual healthy adult relationship looks like. Uh, you honestly, this far. is not it. Yeah, That's I know exactly. Oh no, a basis in reality. How shocking. Um, how terrible. <laughs> how awful. Oh no. I just have to dispel my reality. I forgot. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I don't know. That's it. it I don't know. It grosses me out. I'm grossed. I've got the ick. I as well, which makes chapter 19 a little bit of a disappointment, considering I think it's supposed to be like a cute little date montage thing and an excuse for Alessia and Maxim to like almost provide like reassurance and like chemistry and bonding following a quote unquote tough conversation. Um, However, not much gets done. Not much occurs other than him basically considering, well, if I'm going to propose to this woman, I should probably tell her by true identity because I'm tired of being Clark Kent. It's time to be Superman. Um, however, yeah. essentially, he chickens out of telling her that he is, in fact, Lord Trevor Fit with a Q and yeah. instead prefers to keep up with this like charade that he has been telling her for a few chapters now that he like like DJing is kind of his like profession slash hobby. Not really sure. Kind of a lame excuse. I would personally be questioning mm-hmm. it. But instead, uh, he, he actually here. I oh, actually sorry. Fine. I wanted to cut in here because I don't think we've actually said this yet. So throughout these the entire book, listeners, this he has not told her that he is the Lord, like the Lord Trouble Thick. She has no idea. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to hop in and like bring that clarification. Cause I think we forgot to kind of go over that in 
part one, but just for clarification. Yeah. So Alicia has no idea where all of his wealth is coming from. For the brief pause, I was actually looking up something very pertinent to our conversation because this reminded Mm -hmm. me of a reality TV series that it's an American reality TV series called Secret Princes that premieres on TLC, where it's basically like a bunch of like international nobility, like kind of has to leave their countries, their stations of status to like lead a quote-unquote normal life in america oh my god and the whole premise of the show is that they are supposed to fall in love with these like american women that are on the show but without revealing their true identity as like landowners lords nobility you name it yes it had a very short run it's not on the air anymore so gaslighting they're gaslighting people then Listen, TLC may be called the Learning Channel. I think it's called the Lying Channel. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. TLC it should be uh should stand for Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. <laughs> the I know TLC doesn't. Yeah, the GGG channel. We're gonna change it to that from now on. Yeah, I think Maxim would be a perfect contender uh, for that show because it's basically the same premise here. I think it's a idealization of the trope of, you know, rich, domineering man falling in love with the it's the prince and the pauper, essentially the, you know, woman who's running from a traumatic past, doesn't really have much to her name in England Mm -hmm. and the whole charade and major plot point in chapter 19 is that he doesn't tell her who he really is, but it's literally yep. that line for Beauty and the Beast where Belle's just like, uh, but she doesn't know that it's him until chapter three, like that whole thing. You and know, don't worry, I, Ashlyn, like- I won't sing it. <laughs> <laughs> she was looking anxious. I love it. <laughs> oh, man, I wish it were chapter three, the mister. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> what chapter it is, but don't hold your breath, listeners. What you can hold your breath for is this sudden an exciting, thrilling plot point that is introduced at the end of chapter 19, where Mr. Maxim Trevelyan gets a phone call from his neighbor that is next door to one of his expensive, you know, penthouse rich boy flats in Chelsea that basically says that there's evidence his apartment has been broken into. Dun, dun, dun. Ring, ring. Lord Trevelthek, your house has been broken into. What are you going to do about it, Rich Boy? You want to know what he does about it, Sydney? He actually, there's another sex scene. There is another <gasps> sex scene with him and Alessia. I forgot before. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot he had a, they had another sex scene before he decided to go. Oh my God. I'm just saying, listen, call me, call me boring. Call me prude. I don't care. Look, the tension in this whole plot point is absolutely shattered to me like a broken window because Maxim literally can't keep it in his pants long enough because he like basically like crosses glances with Aleska and it's like, oh, time to get my Trevor thick on. And I yeah. personally wouldn't feel the urge to do these things if I had just been informed that my mega rich mansion home has been broken into. Like, I don't want to do any hanky panky when most of my possessions are probably <laughs> vandalized or stolen, you know, and that's just yeah, me. that's just. But he also has rich boy behavior, so he's just like, meh, it'll be replaced. You know, that's valid. He has like 50 homes. 
Like I literally before yeah. this podcast had to clarify with our lovely producer, which of his flats got broken into. Like how absurd yeah. is this? Gosh. Uh, well, anyway, Maxim gets a call from his neighbor. He basically assembles his like squadron of like, what, what are they like? Kind of like assistants slash like. They're like his attendant. Yeah. yeah. I, I, they're kind of meant to be like the Alfreds of this world, I guess. Like he's the <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Batman. Yes. No, Alfred comes to his rescue and they all leave together to go investigate this apartment that's been broken into. And well, no, he goes back to like his his main home. Right. He leaves Alicia, which is not far from where the Alicia where the house where Alicia and him are staying at. Right. Producer, can we get a check on that? I'm pretty sure that's what happens. It's not far. He drives like up the road. So it's far enough away that he's like not with her, but he just drives to another house on the property. Thank you. Yeah, because I was like, houses. I think he too many locations. Yeah, because I that's what I remember. So I just wanted to get that clarified before if you wanted to redo that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a different house on the property, but close by. Yeah, it's technically his like his title home. Like this is the manor, you know? Mm, okay. Like this you. is his ancest- ancestral home he goes to. Okay, sweet. So in chapter 20, Maxim then like responds to this call, kind of assembles his like squadron of assistants slash servants slash whoever uh, to basically drive up the road a little ways to investigate um, sort of what has happened going to this like big central hub estate of all of his little rich houses. And in the meantime, (laughs) while Alessia has been left alone, granted only a few minutes away, but alone nonetheless, the two quote unquote fake immigration officers that we mentioned in the previous part to the mister are now given names, Dante and Yili. Yui, hopefully I'm not butchering that pronunciation, but Yui, uh, have located her. And in this distraction of sending Lord Trevorthick off gallivanting around, they pretty much apprehend Alessia with the intent of, I'm assuming, getting her back to Albania to yeah, re-enter so, her um, into human trafficking. Yeah, and so kind of like what Lauren is saying here. So these are the two people who human trafficked Elisa in the beginning of the book. So that's kind of what is revealed. Um, and they're, yeah, they're given names to Dante and Yili, and they are not the brightest tools in the shed. Absolutely. But Cindy, I actually wanted to ask you uh, about this oh, chapter okay. in particular. So like we said, granted, it is only a few minutes away. Maxim does leave Alessia alone after what I would argue a pretty harrowing series of events. They are very clearly aware that these two men are tracking her. We know now that it is not immigration services on the hunt for her. It is a trafficking situation. To me, Maxim leaving Alessia, even if it's for a few minutes, even if it's down the road, feels kind of like a throwaway plot move on James's part, just for the sake of creating an opportunity for the traffickers to get to Alessia and then add tension. Yes. Yes. How did you feel about the execution of this? Did this feel sloppy? Oh, it was so sloppy. It was so 
Also, I thought this was the ending of the book, by the way. I thought this was our climax and then we would go into our falling like action after this. So how this was all set up, I saw it coming from a mile away. I'm like, oh, he's out. They're going to show up, even though how the fuck would they know where he is with all of his houses like and estates that he talks about? How do they know that they're, you know, that he's there? Um, and it didn't make sense. And then it's just like, oh, there's knocking on the door downstairs. And then I hear people speaking in the mother tongue, which is what she says. Um, this is not <laughs> me saying that. Uh, so, yeah, I was just like, this is so sloppy. And it's 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 just to put her in danger and have Maxim, Maxim come in again and save her. And I, I mean, I saw it coming from a mile away. and. What made me so upset about this scene is, again, I thought we were at the climax of the book. Dear listeners, we were so wrong. We had about a hundred more pages to go, and I was so upset. I wanted to just stop reading the book right there. And I was just like, why are there two endings? Why are there two endings to the stupid book? You know what? I think we were destined to be on this ride with Maxim together. This car ride <laughs> at the start of chapter 21. He is driving back as fast as he can to return to the house that Alessia is at. Now, for the sake of not getting into too much detail, obviously, is a sensitive matter. But in yeah. this time that he has been away, Alessia has hidden herself away in the bathroom once we discovered the identity of Dante and Yili and their intentions. But of course... They storm into the bathroom and there is a scene of, you know, brief but physical assault nonetheless that we will not be going into. But just know that there you know, are physical repercussions. It is a harrowing scene. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of, again, what we presume to be the climax of the novel. The writing, in my opinion, actually wasn't bad at this part. I remember it was like quicker sentences, a little less mm -hmm. description that E.L. James had been going into at this point, which to me at least felt very verbose and a little bit droning on at times. This felt like quicker action-oriented writing. So I was actually getting into the story at this part. And I was like mm -hmm. hoping the best for Alessia. And, you know, Maxim is apparently the best. Maxim yeah, does he, arrive. He just arrives. He just gets there. He arrives with his staff for sure. And the traffickers do get apprehended and arrested uh, after he wields a firearm, might I add. Uh, and I guess, you know, <laughs> uses his influence as Lord Traffic, motherfucker. How did I do? <laughs> Is it good? That was great. I'm so pleased. Yes, he wields his lordship and his gun. One and the same. And they get apprehended. <laughs> yes. And the rest of the chapter is basically the very delayed... I would argue, revelation that Maxim is indeed a lord. He's like a landowner and a rich man, a rich bitch, if you will. Uh, all because one of the, like, I believe, like, assistants, serving staff, Danny, like, basically lets it slip to Alessia. So she doesn't even directly find out from Maxim, which is hilarious in my eyes that he spent so much time considering this, only for it to be, the narrative to be out of his control. But yeah. She finds out. And Sid, what did you think of this reveal? Was it everything that you hoped it to be? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was so lackluster. I was just like, I don't, I don't. This plot point, which has been 
hyped up so much. Just fell so flat. And I mean, that is just a theme throughout this book, honestly. It's just disappointment. But it's, she was just like, oh, no, I've been betrayed again. Guess I'll leave. <laughs> like That's kind of it. Like, she just goes, oh, no, he lied about his identity to me. This man I've only known a couple days. I will never love again. I should leave. I am falling apart at the seams. Oh, no. Yeah. Why, why is she a robot? Why did I make her Alexa? <laughs> I just realized that everybody who has um, A-L-E-X-A in their houses might have just gone off. And I sincerely apologize. But while you're on it, you should place a purchasing order on Amazon.com for a copy of The Mister. Read along with us. But moving into chapter 22, Alessia now knows that Maxim is Lord Treverthick. Yeehaw. And of course, as one would assume, she does start internalizing this and thinking that she's no longer good enough for him. Surely he is a lord with status and station. He deserves someone of equal status and station, not their <gasps> daily. But of course, no. Maxim. I know. No. What a scandal. Oh. Even this though, might I add, proud. <laughs> quick detour on that note, I do find it rather interesting that throughout this whole novel, to my knowledge at least, nobody in Maxim's life, other than maybe Caroline and bits and pieces, has sat him down directly and advised him against romantic trysts with Alessia on the grounds of like her being a daily. If Maxim's like importance as Lord Treverthick is truly as like weighty and lofty as his station implies then I would assume mm -hmm. much more of this plot focus would be on the fact that Alessia is not from that similar background. And there would be a lot more like physical obstacles in the way of like a long-term relationship that I think would just yeah. overall be a lot more entertaining than whatever the hell is going on with this. I want mother-in-law drama. I want his mom to find out and her being like, the scandal of it all, my only son and heir. He will marry a daily? No. However shall we go on? My other son is in the ground. He was my favorite. Yes, and I don't like his, his widow of, an, of, a, of a wife? A widow wife? I don't like his widow. Sure. <laughs> but also I hate my daughter because she can't inherit anything because she's a girl but a doctor. <laughs> Dang. Ugh. Well, nonetheless, none of that happens. No discourse whatsoever. And Maxim tries to reassure Alessia's like hesitancy about this whole thing. She forgives him so quickly. I was like, so what was the point of her being upset in the first place? There's no point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it feels like even though this chapter was like, quote unquote, long, it took from the beginning to the end of this chapter for her to be upset feel insecure, and then essentially forgive him. Yeah, and all because he's like, Bruv, I love you. I'd like to couple up. <laughs> Hello, darling. I want you <laughs> I'm going to stop. British listeners, I am so sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, Maxim insists that he loves Alessia, you know, kiss, kiss, hunk, hug, makeup, skipping that. Chapter 23 happens and 
There's more professions of love. Alessia insists that she's been in love with Maxim since just dawn of time, essentially. Not really, but it feels that way because this book has drowned on so long at this point that it feels like the dawn of time. Maxim basically just reassures her, reaffirms that more kissy kissy goo goo. And then because, you know, when my mind jumps from romantic interest and confessions of love, I go into the trauma of my dead brother. (laughs) He basically tells Alessia. Oh, please go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it is such a character change for Maxim, too, because all we've heard about throughout these this entire book is how much he's just like. He's got he's misogynistic, very much so like he. He loves women for the fact that he can have sex with them, but he doesn't love women for the for other reasons. And him just being like, no, I love you. I love you for you. And da 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 da. And him being lovey dovey. I'm like, where did this switch come from? Like, it just, his character growth, it was just so sudden. I was, just, I was just like, his character shifted so quickly. Like, it wasn't growth. It was just, I'm being an asshole and now I love you. But I'm still going to be an asshole to other people, you know? Actually, when he was Google searching Albania like two chapters ago, <laughs> trying yeah. to learn things about this woman he wanted to marry. Mind boggling. Crazy. But basically, he finally gives the whole feel about how when Kit passed away, Maxim then inherited his title as, you know, the next eligible son or the only eligible son, I should say, and how he was never supposed to be. Lord Trevor Thick, essentially. And this kind of unveils a little bit of Maxim's inner, I guess, inferiority complex, maybe the best way to put it. There's mm-hmm. the way that he navigates the world and navigates romantic relationships comes off as someone that is like omer, almost egotistical and incredibly secure within himself. However, there's this obviously like a stirring need in word to feel accomplished in this role that has been thrust upon him by his brother's passing. And so they have a whole conversation about that, I guess, reach a sort of empathy for Lord Reberthick as if he needs it. And this is where we're going to get angry. I need to feel better. I need to feel better because I'm a lord. I'm a lord. Sorry, you were just dealing with your, with you being human trafficked, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about my feelings and how I'm feeling right now. Absolutely. And you know what? You know who else is wanting to talk about their feelings? Hmm. Caroline. Oh, God, don't bring her up again, please. Oh, I'm going to bring her up and I'm going to get mad about it because listeners. All right. So Caroline texts, right? She texts again, basically just like checking in, wanting to meet up and be like, that's not all what she says. That's my interpretation. Uh, He kind of blows her off, telling her he's going to meet her when he's back in London, because apparently After all this time, right, we have professions of love from our main love interest. We've overcome this harrowing incident of like a trafficking and kidnapping attempt. And yet we still have this pointless ongoing narrative of Caroline still thinking she is kind of in some sort of like situationship with Maxim. To the point, oh my God, I have grown so tired of her as a character. This feels so pointless. Not because of any of her like traits or personality, but like literally just because of her presence in this novel is purely a point of plot tension for Alessia and Maxim's relationship development. But yet we already have the relationship. So what's the point of like inserting Caroline? 
at this point of the novel because it feels arbitrary. We know how Maxim feels about Alessia. Presumably doesn't feel anything for Caroline. So where is this going? It feels pointless. I'm angry. Sydney, do you have any thoughts? Um, so Caroline is the Jacob to Maxim's Bella. <laughs> so that that was all my thoughts. And I know you actually legitimately enjoy Twilight. So I thought of that and I was like, I need to tell her immediately. I feel like that was an egregious error. You want to know why? <laughs> I know your team, Jacob. I know you love Jacob. We cannot allow Caroline to be compared to the godsent wonderful beauty that is Jacob Black and I stand on that ground and I will die on this hill. The only reason I compare the two is because because Caroline, like Jacob, can't really get into their heads why like the person they love or like the person they're infatuated with because let's admit it, they're they're both just infatuated with the person. They're not actually in love with them. Won't like give back that same attention so that's why i like compared it you're right but you're right i'm right but i'm wrong i understand (laughs) i am gonna go burn every team jacob merch i ever had anyway anyway so chapter 24 and 25 i think can pretty much be lumped into a singular chapter and not not a whole lot objectively happens except for this really interesting arrangement that alessia and maxim conjure up as they are now progressing and entering this romantic relationship on a formal basis so oh yeah he finally asked her to be his girlfriend yes and it is as drab and dry as you would ever hope it to be i The issue I take with this part is because once they sort of announce their love for each other and establish a relationship, they try to discuss like living arrangements. Granted, they've only known each other. We've established about three weeks at this point maximum. And And they've been in a relationship for 30 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. On par with his use of baby after 30 minutes of a smooch. We're moving at a breakneck pace. Maxim basically proposes to Alessia that she should move in with him, presumably out of concern for her safety. It's still weird. I'm sorry. Um, they smash. You will smash. And then she basically declares that she still wants to have like a purpose and still wants to continue her work as a daily. Oh my God, I forgot this. Yeah. Which is utterly concerning because of the obvious power dynamics that can come when you are dating your employer. And I was going to ask you, Sydney, what were your thoughts when this happened? How do you feel about this arrangement? And what is your perception of the longevity of it? I understand the rationale in which E.L. James is trying to employ in this because in her story, Alicia is an undocumented immigrant from Albania. So she like doesn't have the she doesn't have the correct papers to work within England and she can be arrested and deported, which is like literally the thing she's really trying to avoid. So one of the ways that she could avoid that is just by, you know, working for Maxim, like continuing to do that and make her own money. But I don't like it. It's just, it grosses me out because I don't understand why 
for example, he can't like enroll her in university classes or English classes so she could like maybe continue her education instead of like working through this way because she reveals to him at one point that she was kind of a teacher um, in her spare time in Albania. So why not uh, like enroll her or get a private tutor for her to then learn and continue to do that? Instead, he can't even think past that with her suggestion of being his his cleaning lady. And I, I agree with you, like that dynamic of dating your employer or your boss is just it's really disgusting to me because there is such a power dynamic and control of the relationship because one of you holds a financial stance over the other and there's no way to like kind of go around that but that's also like a subgenre of romance in which people really enjoy but it's just it's not my cup of tea in that case a follow-up question if you will okay how do you think this power dynamic between maxim and alessia compares to the very similar structure with Anastasia being employed to Christian Grey in the Fifty Shades series. Well, I still don't like it. <laughs> I don't I don't find it attractive. I don't find it hot. I don't find it to be enticing. I know there are people out there who very much enjoy this kind of like subgenre of secret dating between employer and empl- employee. I just never think there is a truly appropriate time for that because your employer is a person that is above you and controls your ability to support yourself. And that puts you in a position then where you can't leave that romantic relationship because then you would put your position at risk at your job so i just i do not think it is sexy i don't think it's attractive i don't like it so that's my stance i think i'm inclined to agree i i'm going to leave the rest up to our listeners though let us know Mm -hmm. sound off in the comments if you will yeah your thoughts on this kind of trope yeah, I would I would love to hear from everybody like on this and hear what other people have to say. Speaking of other people, my favorite homewrecker is returning into the story. Caroline, she's not actually a homewrecker, it's fine. Chapter 26. So at this point, <laughs> Alessia and Maxim have returned back to London. And Maxim, as having agreed to meet up with Caroline, goes to visit, in which Kind of, I guess, like in a way, this is her parting scene. She is still around for some bits of her, the novel, but it's almost in a proper and definitive exit to the weird situationship that she has had with Maxim. They kind of cut things off. He informs Caroline that he is pursuing basically his daily. And one of the most important things I think to know in chapter 26 is there is finally a proper sit down discussion regarding Kit's death. Now, we have not given yeah. any detail to the nature of Kit's death at this point in the podcast. Largely, that decision was made on my part because of like continuity. But since we have finally mm-hmm. sort of reached a quote unquote, I guess, conclusion question mark of his death, I figured now would be a great time to discuss sort of what we know happened. So three days prior to the beginning events of the mister, 
Kit does die off screen, but it is later revealed just throughout conversations and dialogue that Kit was an avid motorcyclist. And his decision one day was to take a motorcycle ride in very hazardous weather conditions. I believe like the roads were super icy and mm-hmm. a condition that essentially if you were a seasoned or veteran like motorcyclist, you would know would be incredibly dangerous to ride your bike in. And so I think like on and off throughout this, obviously, Maxim is like wrestling with the loss of his brother. And I think one of the underlying reasons is because we don't really know why it is the kid decides to embark on this motorcycle drive and then just suddenly pass away. It seems nonsensical and out of character. And this is the point where Caroline and Maxim finally just kind of kick around the idea of whether this was an attempt to die by suicide on Kit's part. Mm-hmm. And Cindy, I wanted to pass it off to you. Like, what did you think of this conversation? Do you think it was handled with tact or felt rightfully placed? Right place. Because, I mean, throughout the book, Carolyn is obviously grieving the loss of her husband. But it's also. I don't know, it's. I just wish we had more context of how Kit was because we don't like we get some instances like he was very smart. He was very dutiful to his um, his duties as as a lord and wanting to do things right. He was kind of like a goody two shoes, but. We never really get an answer on like how Carolyn actually felt about Kit, like if she actually loved him or if it was like. More of a thing that she wanted to marry him for his money kind of thing, and that's what she's trying to do with. uh, Our man, Maxim. So. Maxim is coming from it as a point of view as to as wanting to heal and to begin the healing process of recovering from the death of his older brother, which is no small feat. And I know as many people out there will know, like you, you'd never really fully recover from something like that. So I, but I don't believe the conversation in which they were having actually necessarily was handled well, because they barely talk about Kit, honestly, because then she's like, well, (laughs) She kind of like is pouting and it's just like, well, Maxim, where were you? And then he reveals he was with Lisa and then he's falling in love with her. And then she was like, what? And freaked out. Yeah, an interesting approach to it. And I don't think we ever get like a conclusive answer necessarily. Again, it's just sort of speculated whether it was a death by suicide or not. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a it's an interesting conversation and a interesting development on the part of Maxim. But also, I think it does give grounds to further emphasize that Caroline is probably not a great fit objectively for Maxim and almost kind of puts Alessia on more of a pedestal, at least romantically. And speaking mm-hmm. of Alessia. Now, <laughs> listeners, speaking of our girl. Now, listeners. So we are currently at the end of chapter 26 of our summary. There are 33 chapters total, but not that many left. I want you all to know that if you have seatbelts, strap them in (laughs) because the remaining chapters of this novel are so 
wild. I was trying to think of a better word. Wild and absolutely convoluted. convoluted. <laughs> Thank you. Bizarre. Just just grab your wine glasses. Let's let's get to it. Um, yeah. So while Maxim is talking with Caroline, you want to know what Alessia is doing? She's getting kidnapped again. <gasps> <laughs> Surprise. Classic Alessia. Hashtag relatable move. Hashtag. Yeah. Let's go. So girl power, you know. <laughs> Exactly. If you have not read The Mister, your first thought naturally may be to assume that this is, again, the trafficking ring that was trying to bring her back to Albania. I regret to inform you. Well, please nope. but also regret to inform you that this is, in fact, not the human traffickers. This is actually her former betrothed. Dun, dun, dun! I know, <laughs> it's shocking. So we meet... A man named Anatoly. I believe I am pronouncing that right. Have my producer approval. <laughs> Anatoly has showed up to, I guess, reclaim his betrothed, Alessia, and desires to bring... We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of shows up. I'm assuming he... He's I like, I saw an email. A... I saw an email exactly. from Magda and I pieced it together. I'm like, with that minimal of information? How did you? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. The, the woman that was supposedly like, well, not supposedly, she is protecting Alessia, but basically in a string of like emails, she like lets it slip the home address that she's staying with. It never really fleshed out beyond that. But Anatoly has arrived in England to recollect his bride. Throw up sounds inserted. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Essentially, he confronts her with like, you know, what she's doing in England. Like, who has she been with in like a romantic context? She does infer, inform him that she is still a virgin, which as we know by this point in the story with all the hanky making going on, not true, at least by the standards of like societal and biological considerations of what a virgin may be. But she is no longer on her own considerations of virgin. And then for some reason, despite this like really uncomfortable scenario, she knows she's in trouble. Essentially, I don't want to say allows him to kidnap her, but allows him to kidnap her because they are currently in a very public and bustling space right now. They're in the middle of a busy store and she just straight up does nothing to garner help, attention, Remotely anything that would save her. And like, he's yeah, able to... Sounds good. <laughs> Time to go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's able to successfully like take her back to Maxim's apartment. And listeners, you may be asking, why the hell, if you're trying to kidnap this woman, would you take her back to her like new booze apartment? Uh, it's simply because he wanted her to basically write Maxim a note. And it's like a... I believe it's more of a ransom note type vibe. Oh, is it not? No. So then she, I have no idea why they go back to the apartment, but the note she leaves is kind of a help me note. Um, she assumes that Anatoly's English isn't that good. And she essentially tells Maxim that she's leaving with her fiance and hopes that he gets the gist. Thank you, Ashlyn. Thank you, Ashlyn. It. So yeah, she basically leaves a little, a little BRB GTG sticky note to Maxim. <laughs> GG guys, GG. 
Anyway. <laughs> no, gross. I hate it. Edit that out. <laughs> Note. I refuse um, to edit that out. That is going in the sound bites. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and listeners, you may think that Lord Trevor Thick will see this note immediately take charge in trying to rescue his new love of his life that we've known for three weeks. I regret to inform all of you that he takes his damn sweet time. I'm sorry. The next few chapters, Lord Trevor Thick basically goes on like a tour of Europe. Not really, but he goes on a tour of Europe yeah. in which he just kind of dawdles around. He meets up with like Magda and Nicole. He then like goes over into like ring shop at some point and he spends an awful lot of time ring shopping because he has now decided that it is time to propose to her instead of, you know, I should probably call the authorities and get her rescued as soon as possible. You know, so, cash ball. I totally forgot about that. Honestly. So listeners also context here. I skimmed majority at the end of this book because I was just begging for it to be over. It's a little brutal. Not going to lie. It Especially when brutal. we're it's coming off the heels of the whole like beating up by traffickers scene and then they get apprehended. And you think like the main thread of this novel is gone. This honestly feels like it could be a separate short story in and of itself. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it is kind of clear that E.L. James is wanting to or at least wants to set the groundwork for a potential sequel to the mister. And I feel as though this whole plotline with Anatoly and the kidnapping of Alessia would fit so much better as a standalone story instead of being shoved in at the tail end of the mister. Mm hmm. Yeah. But to speed through these last few chapters. Basically, Maxim spots the Albanian license plate driving by. He there's a whole other subplot where Alessia sees Maxim and Caroline embracing as the car is passing by. So, again, we're still not done with Caroline being a theoretical home record. It's absolutely annoying to me. I'm sorry. I'm getting way too heated again. Anatoly is successful in his kidnapping of Alessia, basically is able to smuggle her back to or all the way through France on the route to Albania while basically forcing her in the trunk of his car and then driving. I don't know how many miles I haven't fact checked exactly how far of a drive this would be, but she's riding in this man's trunk, which I'm assuming is awful and horribly uncomfortable. But she's supposed to still be in love with him for the record whenever this is all said and done. Wait, she's meant to be in love with her ex-fiance? Well, she's not meant to, but her ex-fiance assumes right, that she right, right, will right. be. Right, yeah. Our, our delusional man is just like, yeah, she's going to love me after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. We're going to call that a 29-hour drive? Oh, my gosh. She's truly chilling in Cedar Rapids in the back of this truck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you, Ashlyn. Thank you, Ashlyn. <laughs> yep. Basically, while in France, after she's been released from the confines of this absolutely stinky trunk of a car that she's riding in, she tries to make a run for it. It's unsuccessful, as you can probably imagine, considering her previous attempts of just like not even calling out for help. Essentially, he does successfully take her to Albania. She's going to try to sit and figure out how to escape again, but really just does give up after literally two full days of being a captive by Anatoly. 
to give her a little bit of like context or credit, I will say that there is a pretty distressing assault scene uh, where mm-hmm. Anatoly does attempt to assault her. This is an unsuccessful scene, of course, but it is still harrowing and sensitive nonetheless. So please proceed with caution and we will not be delving into it. But within this short time that she is held captive by Anatoly, she's kind of seemingly lost hope of her escape and of Maxim's arrival. And honestly, I don't freaking blame her because Maxim is out here ring shopping like (laughs) his his betrothed is not bumping around like bumper cars in the back of this truck. He's uh, he's got elevator music playing and then she's got. (laughs) She's got like epic um survival music playing and he's just going da, 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 da. Ooh, do you think she'll like this one <laughs> I want like a, a psychological case study on what is going through maxim trevelyan's head during this part because it feels i honestly think like on a serious note his lack of immediacy when it comes to rescuing alessia really cuts through the tension for me the scene is very mm-hmm. or these scenes plural are obviously supposed to be incredibly tense and are supposed to make the reader guess like oh is alessia going to be safe is their love going to prevail x y and z the pace that he's taking this makes me feel like this is something i should not be concerned about and therefore that this is a casual kind of occurrence and it just completely yeah. ruins the purpose of the last like several chapters, which was so disappointing. And the reason why I think largely you and I both just sort of lost interest. Yeah. 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 It, it's it, I lost it because it just it was that screeching halt of action. And then this forced like prolonging of the story and which did not need to happen. I like fully believe that E.L. James's publisher, editor and team members just like absolutely despise her for some reason because they didn't tell her that her book was over 100 pages too long. (laughs) They said, "Eh." you know what actually happened? They probably were reading it for like edits and then fell asleep Mm -hmm. and then accidentally hit the send button with the. Yep, it's good. Yeah, they gave their approval and they went, oh. Well, it's hot on the presses now, so <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late, I guess. Is it too? Oh, no, I can't sing. Sorry. <laughs> Our producer's laughing at me. <laughs> I keep accidentally performing copyrighted music listeners. So Ashlyn is currently giving me a look at, to not sing copyrighted music <laughs> so that she doesn't have to edit me out. <laughs> We appreciate you, Ashlyn. And we love you, Ashlyn. I'm sorry I'm singing copyrighted music, Ashlyn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there, I promise there won't be many more opportunities for left because we're going to speed run through these last few chapters. Yay! So, (laughs) chapter 30. Alessia is being held captive. Continual theme. It's a horrific time. A lot of contemplations of... Ways that wish she could escape this predicament, including, you know, taking her own life, unfortunately. Thankfully, it never comes to that because we flip perspectives to Maxim, who is um, not hightailing it through Europe. In fact, he's actually taken a pit stop to meet with the mommy-in-law, um, Alessia's mother. And oh, yeah, <laughs> really doesn't even get talk- get to talk to her. Like, it is the most 
pointless scene. Again, I think it's E.L. James's like attempt to like establish Albanian culture, but it feels like such a pointless detour and a pointless throwaway. Like, why was that scene even there? It, it, it didn't matter because he was just like, I want to talk to you about your daughter. She goes, you can't. Why? And he's like, why? She goes, my husband's not home. And then she basically closes the door. And then her husband shows up like literally half a page later. He's like, I want to talk about your daughter. And I went, what was the point? There's the point. <laughs> it is- I mean, I guess there is a point in him being there because Alessia does like show up essentially <laughs> like after uh like after Alessia's father arrives home to their place of residence. And so like she encounters Maxim there. It's, it's a whole thing. Essentially. She does escape Anatoly. Maxim then has like a bunch of burning questions for Alessia, basically confirming that she was in fact kidnapped. Alessia is still holding on to this weird little, like I saw you hug Caroline and my way out of England. Are you in love with her again? The repetition middle of middle school relationship, basically feeling like I saw, you side hug Katie in the hallway on our way to English class. Do you have some you have some explaining to do, mister? You were supposed to walk with me to Mrs. Everson's class. We have six period together. Why were you with Kelsey? I just I can't believe you would just you would talk with Hannah because Look, like, I know you have a group project and I know you guys are like working really hard, but like, I told you that Hannah and I were like not on good terms. Like, why would you do that? You betrayed me. <laughs> I'm God. trying so hard not to sing right now. The <laughs> <laughs> same way. God, you want to know what else was is a betrayal? Hmm. E.L. James's intent on making every female and reproductive capability character have a baby. <laughs> it's a real thing and it's starting to disturb me because at this point, Alessia then just notifies everyone that she thinks she is pregnant. Baby. Child. Fetus. Fetus. Ooh, gremlin. gremlin that's all i'm gonna call babies now you know she has a womb gremlin supposedly and then like the conversation is basically cut short because anatoly shows up there's a whole ordeal where maxim like tries to go after him there's a whole bunch of like commotion and like disturbance yelling anatoly threatens to shoot everybody and then alessia basically reveals aha my ultimate plan (laughs) Push up your glasses. I basically <laughs> took all the bullets out of your gun. I have thwarted you. It's a whole, it's a whole it's ordeal. So but honestly, a lot is condensed in the span of chapter 31 that I feel, again, it's that same, it feels like a very rapid fire resolution. To- it feels like she was just like, oh, well, this is the ending. So we're just gonna have to go really, really quick and just get this done. Exactly. And again, I said it before, but this would benefit largely from being a story in and of itself or being the major plot line to the mister. Instead, it's like condensed mm-hmm. to the last, what, 150 pages, give or take? Maybe not even that. Yeah. But anywho, Anatoly is kicked out of the house for being a grade A D bag, essentially. And mm-hmm. it's 
It basically just ends with Maxim proposing to Alessia in chapter 32. So they are now randomly yeah. engaged with baby <sighs> question mark on the way. We have. Well, no, I thought, suggest- she, I thought she said she lied. She lied about the baby. Wait, could you explain a little bit about that? I totally forgot. Uh, so, okay, so basically throughout this whole thing, by the way, Maxim's just like very uh, on top of like protection and stuff. And there's like this whole thing about how he's like, got to make sure I, I use condoms and stuff because I'm really good about that. And <laughs> she like reveals to him. He goes, wait, are you actually pregnant? And she goes, no, I'm not. I just did that. So then Anatoly would leave. And so my father would make would like have me marry you kind of thing. Mm. Honestly, they could come up with a baby pretty quick after your marriage. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, no. The line line will hold up. I did read this book twice and yet I feel like I don't remember (laughs) 30% of what has occurred. This is wild to me. Okay, thank you for for that correction. Yeah. She ain't she is not with child. She is not carrying a womb gremlin. There we go. Delete us the fake fetus. <laughs> <laughs> the book ends on a very happy note of lucky number 33, where Maxim and Alessia are now engaged to be married. Their marriage is coming up as a little bit of a jarring jump because it's like a little bit of a time skip it's fine maxim sneaks into her room oh there is no time skip no there is no time skip no it doesn't skip immediate the the, i want to leave that angry I'm genuinely angry. Are you kidding? I, you know what? I was getting this mixed up with Ice Planet Barbarians, where there was that long time skip. Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nope. No time skip. I'm sorry. Shotgun nope. wedding. All right. Oh, my goodness. All right. So apparently there's no baby, and now they're engaged, and they're about to have a wedding in a week. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And it, it literally, the book ends with them banging it out. And another vanilla love scene in which Maxim has to then proceed to unpack even more trauma. But guess what? Not the brother this time. No. The mother. <laughs> mummy. <laughs> he has mummy issues. <laughs> Thus concluding our plot synopsis of the second half of The Mister. And will there be a sequel in the future where we unpack Maxim's mommy issues and... Potentially a real baby that does not get deletist. We will see. Stay tuned. And Ashlyn, I believe you had some closing questions and thoughts for us. I believe Sydney has something to say to your point, Lauren. Yeah. So you brought up that there is possibly a sequel. It has been confirmed that there is a sequel and that E.L. James is currently working on that. And that the studio, which produced Fifty Shades of Grey, has gained the rights to do a Mr. Movie. So there will possibly be a movie of the Mr. coming out sometime soon. Possibly. (laughs) 
Hey, so Google, Lauren, how do I leave this Discord call? So, <laughs> Lauren, we may not be done with Elisa and Maxim. No, we're done. <laughs> no, we're not done. <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners, you vote. No. If you decide, you decide on if, when and if the sequel to The Mister comes out, if we will again delve back into the world of Lord Trevor Thack to you, motherfucker! <laughs> Additionally, please vote on whether or not I will still be around for this sequel. <laughs> Lauren quits oh. the podcast. Oh no! I was thinking I more life, but you know. Oh. <laughs> oh. Now that anyway. we've ruined Lauren's day, I have questions. Thank you. <laughs> My right. first and I think most important question is: Where would you have ended this book? Because it goes on and on and on. <laughs> I would have ended it after the first page and deleted the rest. <laughs> oh. To have a serious answer, I would have taken out the whole part with the fiance finding her again and taking her back to Albania. That felt just like an excruciating long extra process that was just added in for it just being there. And I don't think it was necessary. I agree. I think I'd even take it a step further. And and thinking back to our recording for the first episode of The Mister, we only discussed chapters one through 16. And it really only is like one or two chapters beyond that in which Alessia and Maxim kind of conclude and announce their love for each other. And I think that mm-hmm. is, albeit probably a cheesy ending, it is a more satisfactory and sufficient ending to me than trying to introduce forced and very unnecessary plot to like keep them separated for longer. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey was met with a ton of support, but this book was met with horrific reviews. Do you guys think that that's fair? I mean, yeah. It's a bad book. <laughs> like, I know, I know art could be objective. Objectively, it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, to, I guess, like, to concretize this answer, like, I think the reason Fifty Shades was probably more successful was it's marketed as an erotica. And it feels like an erotica because there are there's mm-hmm. objectively much more payoff with like the frequency and also the quote unquote like adventurous and like dark fantasy of those sex scenes versus in this novel. We made plenty of jokes about how they're vanilla, which is definitely a problem. But also just realistically speaking, there's so few and far between up until like a third or sorry, two thirds of the way through the book. And then they're just back to back to back of the yeah. same thing. And it no longer feels like an erotica. It just feels like a badly written romance story with some sex scenes sprinkled in. Yeah, I can 100% agree with that. So while working on um, these questions, I was reading a lot of different perspectives on different book blogs about 
the mister. And I saw some authors talking or some authors, some bloggers talking about it being a Regency romance in the modern day, a Cinderella kind of story. (laughs) Um, Someone called it tall, dark and handsome. And someone else called it star crossed lovers. Where do you guys think you would place this on the genre of romance? In the genre of romance. What kind of stars are those people looking at? <laughs> um, I would say it's a very Cinderella-esque story. It's very reminiscent of those plot points of a beautiful yet unfortunate poor woman. And she gets this a prince to save her kind of thing to leave her of her situation. And I kind of view Magda, if you're thinking about it in a Cinderella story way, is her fairy godmother. Cause she's the one who cares about her and is the one who like protected her while she was in her house in England. But that's the only comparison I can think I could compare it to. Like, I don't, I don't know what other type of romance this would really fall into it is a very it's a very i would consider it a dark romance but in the sense of the actual subject matter not the actual sex scenes i agree i have literally nothing additional to add to that because you put that so perfectly it is absolutely a cinderella trope mm-hmm. well, thank you. who are your favorite characters and least favorite characters Hmm. Mm. I'm trying to think of a favorite. That's my problem. <laughs> I think Kit was my favorite. <laughs> Mostly because he had no speaking lines or screen time. But he also caused great trauma and rebirth for Maxim, who desperately needs it. Yeah. Um... My favorite character was the House of Lords that who who didn't even give a shit that one of their people was not just like coming into work and doing like their duties and stuff. My favorite character. My favorite character is the monarchy. The entirety of the Trevelyan aristocracy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay, but least favorite character. Mm, I could be here all day. <laughs> uh, for me, easily, like my absolute least favorite was Maxim, which is not how a romance book is supposed to go. I'm supposed to want our main guy or girl or love interest to be likable and I want to like them. I did not like this man. He was annoying. He was entitled. He was emotionally unintelligent and he was just I just I hated him from the get-go and I was I wanted to root for him in the sense of like I wanted this to be a arc where he got better but he didn't. He just kind of stayed the same and I was like well then what was the point? I agree. I think so. My um, impulse thought 
for least favorite character was also Maxim. And then I sat on it and remembered lines such as let's fuck Thursday, fuck a duck, Lord Trevelyan, or excuse me, Lord Trevor Thick, motherfucker. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and recall genuinely how much enjoyment I got purely out of hating this man. And I think there's something to be okay. said about that for me, at least. Okay. Yeah. I genuinely think my least favorite character was Anatoly, just because he had no substance, no purpose, other than just being awful. He was just a little creepy. <laughs> he was just a bit creepy. Exactly. If you could pick a different title for this book, what would it be? Lauren, since you actually chose this book to read, I will let you go first. Oh, God, the pressure's on. (laughs) (laughs) Am I allowed to say 30 Day Fiance? (laughs) I don't think it's trademarked. Well, it probably is, but I think that's pretty good. You're good. Perfect. All right. Well, what about you? um, So I actually thought long and hard about this and I finally came to the conclusion. I would name rename this book. The misery for all the misery I felt from reading it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Also, if E.L. James doesn't take up the opportunity to name the sequel of The Mister, the Mrs. I swear to God. You heard it here, folks. Copyright it, trademark it, claim it. We need royalties. Give us sponsorships, E.L. James, please. I'm cl- E.L. James, if you're if you're listening, which I don't know if you would, because we're kind of bad talking your book. Please name it the Mrs. because it's a missed opportunity if you don't. And now for my favorite part. Can I have a rating out of five for the Mr. by E.L. James? Well, of course. Um, I am going to rate this book um, four out of five fucky duckies. Uh, no, one out of five fucky duckies. Oh, no context. <laughs> Just <laughs> no, no context. Okay. Just fuck <laughs> a duck. One fuck like a duck. That's it. Because now that's going into my vocabulary forever, even though I'd never heard it before. I think I'm going to rate this novel also one out of five, but not fucky duckies. It's going to be one out of five (laughs) rich bitch apartments by the Thames. Because the amount of times this man said, I live by the Thames. He was like, let me flex real quick. Let me flex. I'll get you wetter than the Thames, baby. I think that's our cue. I think that's our cue. I think that is our cue to go. Hope you enjoyed. (laughs) Join us next episode where we will read part one of Social Distance by Jun Yi. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH Podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. As always, stay raunchy. Stay raunchy.